0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kallstrup and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hi, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Good. Amen. You all ready for the holiday? Going to find some place to wash the fireworks, you know, do all that kind of yippity-yip-yip-yip, huh? Sounds like a plan anyway. Glory to God. Did you all bring a Bible with you? I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Glad you can be with us this evening. Hope you have a Bible. Let's get into the Word of God and find something out. Hallelujah. Hey, Jeff, you might check the AC and make sure everything's uh, cranking so that uh, everybody doesn't take a nap on me. Is it warm in here do you guys? You think it's fine. Yeah. Don't ask women whether... <laughs> that is the wrong question to ask, let me tell you. It's like uh, we were... <laughs> We were walking in here, and I mean it's stifling out, of course, you know and uh, and so I told John I said, well this is this is right up your alley this this is the kind of way that you like She says only if there's water so uh, you got to be by the water in order for that to be uh something that works so anyway praise god good to see you this evening we've been talking about living in divine health this actually our second week that we've kind of delved into this subject and really it's inexhaustible i mean we could preach and preach and preach and teach and teach and teach on the subject but thank god for his living word and i tell you what god wants us to be healthy he wants us to be well and so we're going to be looking at that again this evening through the scriptures and finding out what the bible has to say about it not what men think you know not what uh... You know, uh, religion or some kind of theology that doesn't line up with the Bible might have to say, but thank God what He says because that's the only thing that really matters. And then not only that, you know, um, if there's anyone here this evening and you have an illness or sickness in your body you want to be prayed for, uh, a little bit later when we come to the end we'll pray for you, praise God, and we'll get you healed, hallelujah. You say, can that happen? <laughs> Absolutely, glory to God. So, we'll believe God together with you. All right, let's open our Bibles, if we could please, together to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew the ninth chapter, if you can find that opening in your Bible then also i mean if you're really talented you can also find acts chapter 10 so matthew chapter 8 and wait a minute 9 yeah matthew chapter 9 acts chapter 10 that's where we want to be praise god acts chapter 9 or <laughs> man i'm struggling here matthew chapter 9 and acts chapter 10 let's bow our heads father in heaven thank you As we approach the Word of God, we do so with reverence and humility, Father. We thank You that You have seen fit to reveal and unveil Your will to us. Your Word is Your will. And so as we gather tonight, Father, as we come, I want to thank You for teaching us. I thank You for revelation knowledge. I thank You for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The One whom You have sent. Glory to God. And we just rejoice, Father, in His presence here not only among us but in us and that he will teach us that he will bless us and he will help us hallelujah in Jesus name and everybody said amen notice here something uh, with regard to the testimony of the word uh, and Jesus notice in verse 35 it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing everybody say healing healing every sickness and every disease among the people so we see this repeatedly throughout the scriptures which essentially jesus's ministry was to preach teach and heal and uh, he wanted people to be well and if he wanted to be uh, people to be well then obviously his heavenly father wanted them to be well as well so we talked about this study of living in divine health and we started by asking a simple question is there um, doctrinal soundness in the theology or the teaching that God wants everyone to be healed? I mean, that's a legitimate question, because the reason I ask the question is because a lot of folk aren't sure. A lot of people are very, um, maybe pretty, uh, pretty strong about the idea that God doesn't heal everybody. So I'm asking you, is there any kind of doctrinal um, soundness to the teaching or the theology that God wants everyone to be healed? Now, I believe that he does. Hallelujah. Everyone means you're the one, and you might as well be one of those that are walking in divine health. So again, does he want us to be healed or healthy, and is healing available to everyone who may be infirmed? And again, I believe that it is. And so we just have to make a connection with him for that to take place. So, uh, you know, in asking the question, is there doctrinal soundness, the only place if we're to know the answer to the question, it's going to have to be found in the Scriptures. And that's, that's probably where a lot of people, uh, you know, get tripped up because they're asking this person what they think, and this person what they think, and, you know, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what we think. The only thing that matters is what he thinks, and so that's where we're going to find it. The Word of God is the will of God. And thank God He's made it available for us to know. And we also came to the conclusion that Jesus was and is the will of God in action. So He said in the Word when He was talking to Philip on one occasion in John 14, He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So everything that Jesus did, He did according to the will of God. We just got done reading in our text how that he went to all the cities and villages, teaching, preaching, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So it's important. This is an important kingdom principle for us to understand, and uh, that is that Jesus' method of helping people and meeting human need was to teach them. You know, we, a lot of times people, you know, they're, um, uh, how would I say it? It isn't, it really isn't an indictment against them, but I think it's human nature maybe, you know, that we just want, you know, whatever's slick and easy and quick. You know, Jesus, if you're really a healer, then heal me, you know. But if you read in the scriptures, you find that Jesus was sent from heaven, and when he was anointed by the Holy Ghost, and he began to teach the people. In other words, he was just simply saying, if I'm to help humanity, they need to be taught. All right. So the same thing would serve uh, to be true with you and I as believers. If we're to be helped in any given area of our life, we need to know what the word of God we need to be taught what the Bible has to say so that faith can come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so uh, if we don't know what the word is or what it says, then we're at an impasse. You know, again, Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge." What they don't know, and that's true, even in the natural. You know, if there are certain things you don't know about, dude, you're just you're 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 behind the curve, and so it's important for us. You know, someone said uh, here of long ago said that knowledge is power, and that really is true. So we want to be knowledgeable about what it is that God said. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. Where are we going to know the truth from? We're going to know it from the word. Again, it's not what we think about. it, It's not how we feel about it. It's not what people have said about it. It's what the Bible has to say. So when we read the scripture here in Matthew chapter 9 and 35 that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, preaching, teaching, and healing every sickness and every disease. Now that's another thing, you know, people, well, you know, sometimes, you know, God will heal some things, but he doesn't heal others. God doesn't care what it is. Sickness and disease is from hell, and he wants you well. Amen. And so it's important for us to understand that. So if I'm to find the answers that I'm looking for to life's challenges, I'm going to find them in the Word. I am so thankful for the Word, you guys, because it's changed our lives. We've come to know the truth, and we've walked in the light of it. Hallelujah. You know, when the Bible says to put away lying, then you need to stop lying, you know? And, and provide things honest in the sight of all men. When the Bible says, as much as rests within you, live peaceably with all men. So, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. If, you got, if you're a hothead or you got an anger issue or whatever, you need to deal with that. Okay? You say, well, you know, I just can't help it. Yeah, you can. You know, it's, it's a flesh thing, that's all it is. Thanks for your excitement. You know, you're all sitting quite a ways back, so I don't know, you know, whether that was intentional or what. But the point is, is that there's instruction in the Scriptures that if you want to listen, hear, and obey, it will change you. That's, that's about as simple as it gets. And so when we read the scriptures, we find the truth. And again, for whatever it is that we're looking for in life's challenges, we're going to find it in the word. Marriage principles. How many of you know there's, there's scriptures that tell us how to, you know, act and function within a married relationship? I mean, they're over there right now. They're, they're learning that. Amen. And some of the things maybe that they're hearing they've already been aware of or made aware of or know or whatever. But it's the application. Everybody say when you do it. When you do it, man, that's when it becomes a reality in your life, and that's when it changes or transfer, uh, transforms your life. Same thing with, uh, you know, principles where finances are concerned. The Bible has a lot to say about that. And then, again, relational principles. We talked a little bit about that, how we're to relate. You know, some folk are hard to get along with. Have any of you ever noticed that? And as we go down the road of life here, you know, and culture becomes increasingly um, I guess corrupt, if that's the right way to put it. You know, we're just seeing a manifestation of what's already in people. You know, the Bible makes it clear that uh, we as people, as humanity, are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen. And so when you see this stuff going on, you know, and people, you know, begin to become irritable and however, and they they don't show a lot of restraint, and then all of a sudden they're doing things and saying things that they shouldn't, then everything gets ratcheted up and more and more and more problems. But thank God you and I don't have to do that. I said you and I don't have to do that. Let me say that one more time. You and I, we don't have to behave that way. Glory to God. You know, when Jesus comes, Praise God. We want to be salt and light. We want to be the people that are still obeying God and doing the will of God from our heart. Can you say amen? So anyway, uh, these things are found in the word, but whether it's whether I do it or whether I do what I discover is going to be up to me, not up to God. You know, I mean, I guess it'd be great if somehow or another when you read the Bible, all of a sudden you became robotic, you know, and you were manipulated by God and you had to do these things whether you wanted to or not. But, you know, that's not the way it works. The way it works is is we find out what he says and then we say, you know what? I want to do your will. We humble ourselves before him and say, I want to obey God. I want to do your will, Father. And praise God, that's where the blessing is. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah! So it's going to be up to me, and uh, but where the answers are is in the Bible. Now let's look at Acts chapter ten and thirty-eight, if you would, with me, please. Acts chapter ten and verse thirty-eight, familiar portion of Scripture. Peter was preaching. Actually, it was down at Cornelius' house, and he's preaching this message, and and all of a sudden while he's preaching this message, the Holy Ghost fell on that bunch of people there, you know, Gentiles, and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And I tell you what, every Jew that was in that house with Peter went nuts. They couldn't believe that people like this could get saved. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, you know, we look at folk and we think, well, there ain't no way they could ever get saved. But I tell you what, I tell you, Jesus can transform anybody if they open up their heart to him. Amen? So anyway, while he was preaching this message, he talks about uh, in verse 38 how God now listen listen to what it is that he says here. He talks about Jesus is coming and that he's no respecter of persons. Um, uh, and then he goes down to verse 38 and he talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now who did the anointing? God did. God's the one that anointed or empowered or equipped Jesus of Nazareth with, this is what he equipped him with, the Holy Ghost and power or authority. And the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. Everybody say doing good. I got to keep you engaged here. Went about doing good and healing. Hallelujah. Healing All who were oppressed by who who so so there's something that we're seeing or we're having revealed now the reason I bring this up is is because again in certain places or in certain uh, pockets of theology they somehow or another equate that when people get sick or this or that or the other that they are being taught that God is teaching them and I just want to say to you tonight that God is not in cahoots with the devil they're not working in tandem with one another, okay? You know, you just, it's real simple. You know, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you got things in your life that are killing, stealing, and destroying, it's not God, it's from hell. But if you got life and life more abundant, then it's coming from heaven. Are you with me? So, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing. How many of you know healing's good? When people get healed, they get excited. Huh? And notice it goes on then to say in that same scripture, it says that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. So what's that mean to you and me? That means, praise God, that you and I need to resist and stand against anything that represents sickness, disease, or infirmity because it's not from God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I could say it this way. Sickness and disease is an enemy. It's an enemy. Actually, sickness and disease. Well, let me. We'll get into that a little bit later. Let me. Let's let's land on this verse of scripture that we just read here. And notice it says, "Who were oppressed by the devil." Uh, I can't pronounce this Greek word. It's about this long, okay? But I'll just tell you that the word "oppressed" means to be down or under, and then I hold power or lordship. So the way we could interpret that is, is those that are under the lordship or dominion of Satan. Um, there's a guy by the name of uh, T.J. Mcrosson that wrote a book entitled "Healing in the Atonement," and he makes a statement. And he says that really, by definition, what this word means is I dominate or exercise lordship over. So the devil uses sickness and disease to dominate. Or exercise lordship over people. Well, thank God Jesus said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So ha- thank God we are the agents that God has put in the earth today to make that happen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 13. We'll see this picture here together. <clears throat> We're just feeding on the word here tonight, getting full of the Bible, praise God, finding out what the Bible has to say. Notice here in Luke chapter 13, and let's start reading with verse 10. And what we're going to see here is we're going to see an example of this scripture that we just read in Acts 10.38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost power, went about doing good and healing, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And here's an example of it in Acts chapter 13, verse 10. And he was teaching uh, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, or we could say a spirit of sickness, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said to her, woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity, or you are loosed from your sickness. So by the command of faith, Jesus spoke to the woman and said, you are loosed. Now, nothing had happened at that point, but he made the declaration. Are you with me? Now, he was interrupted in, the, in that moment. Notice as we go on reading here, It says, uh, and, well, I'm sorry, he did actually lay his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I thought he actually did this afterwards, but he didn't. He laid his hands on her. Hallelujah. And notice that it says here that immediately she was made straight and glorified God. You would too. Can you imagine being like this for 18 years of your life and having to address and deal deal with your life like this because you couldn't stand up? I'm telling you what, when that woman came up like this, I guarantee you the meeting was on. But yet, then we have these religious, arrogant, messed up, goofed up people in the crowd. You know, religious leaders of that particular time. And notice what, it, what they say in verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Can you imagine that someone would, would, would stand against something like this that had happened? But sure enough, that's what religion does, you know, because it's just that arrogant. So again, he answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are but six days in which men ought to work. <laughs> in them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrite. And he was. He went on to explain to him, he says, Do not each of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to watering? Now listen to this. This is important. And ought not this woman, listen, being a daughter of Abraham, that's significant, okay? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound all these 18 years, be loosed, from this bond on the sabbath day and when he had said these things hallelujah all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him hallelujah isn't that awesome hallelujah glory to god glory to god glory to god you know i you you got to know you wouldn't want to have been one of those religious guys they probably left the left the building rather quickly but i tell you what everybody else had a party and they celebrated with this woman. Why? Because she got healed. But there's there's such there's such truth that is revealed in this just this one. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this sickness or or uh, infirmity, lo, who Satan has bound these eighteen years? So we know where it came from. Jesus made it clear that the illness, the sickness, the infirmity came from hell. And He just He just turned it around, hallelujah, and set the captive free. And so it's important for us to understand, you know, and and, and uh, the reason I want to bring up the thing about uh, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, that's old covenant. Abraham had a covenant, and he said, In you will all the earth be blessed. And so part of the blessing of the covenant that God made with Abraham was for people to be whole, to be healthy. You know, when they took of the Passover feast, the nation of Israel, when they left Egypt, the Bible says they partook of that lamb and the lamb was strictly uh, prepared and things of that nature as they partook of it. You know, they went in the strength thereof. And the Bible says that there was not one feeble or infirmed or sick person in all of that crowd. And it's estimated that there were probably two and a half million. Now, you take a just take a slice out of our society, you know, of two and a half million people. I guarantee you you can find some sick folk. Huh? But the Bible says there wasn't one, why? Because when they partook of that, praise God, they were healed, they were made whole, there was strength given to them, glory to God. And there was not one feeble person amongst them. So under the old covenant, God said this, he said, if you'll listen to what I'm saying, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, Huh? and keep all his statutes, I will allow none of the diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Everybody say, he is my Lord that has healed me. Yeah, that has healed you. And then in another scripture, the Bible talks about you shall serve the Lord your God, he'll bless your bread and water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, and again, there shall be uh, nothing that casts their young or be barren in the land. The number of your days I will fulfill. So that's happening under the old covenant. This woman, you know, she's just, she, she is bound by the devil. And he said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this infirmity? In other words, he's just saying that, you know, from a jurisdiction standpoint, from a covenant right standpoint, this woman ought to be well. She ought to be healed. And thank God he became the instrument for that to take place. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but you, child of God, are the same way. The Bible says you as a believer are to lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. My wife and I, we did that with our kids all the time. You know, sickness, disease, it'd come on them. Of course, it's in the middle of the night. It's never during the day. And I tell you what, praise God, we just get up and we start the battle. And we say, no, you don't, devil. You're not doing this. Amen. This is our house. This is our place. Jesus' blood has redeemed us from this, and we are not going to receive it. We'd stand against it. Are you listening to me? And praise God, not before very long, you know, a lot of times we'd pray in the Spirit, and then we'd feel, you know, the fever break under, the, under, our, under our hand, you know, the brow of that child's body, you know, and, and head. And all of a sudden, praise God, they'd, be, they'd go back to sleep, and that'd be the end of it. Hallelujah. Why? Because the devil is a usurper, and he endeavors to try to get into places where he doesn't belong, and he can't come unless you let him. Amen. You've been given authority. He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham be loosed from this whom Satan has bound these 18 years? I mean, he was not happy that she was infirmed, and you shouldn't be either. Can you say amen? But, you know, you just can't roll over and just say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know why. No, praise God. Let's find out why, and let's get something done about it. Amen. Amen. The power of God is just as available today as it was back then. And that's another thing, you know, people say, well, you know, all this passed away with the apostles or that's what it used to be or whatever. No, we're talking about right now here in the church age, glory to God, living under the new covenant that Jesus made and bought and paid for by his blood. The Bible says he's the mediator of a new covenant. And that covenant is established upon better promises. Better covenant, better promises. And if there was healing in the old, there got to be healing now. Can you say amen? So we can rejoice in this. Now let me ask you a question. How did sickness enter into the world? Okay, we got people, you know, they're sick, got hospitals full of people that are sick. How in the world does sickness enter into the world? We find the answer in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Let's take a look at it. If you uh, turn over there, Romans, the fifth chapter. How did sickness enter into the world? Notice verse 12. The Apostle Paul is, is, is writing here and he says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Does anybody know what that one man, who that one man was? Adam. Adam. Okay. So, again, with that understanding in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin entered. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Okay, so let's, let's understand this. You know, the Bible says that sin, sin entered into the world by this one man, Adam, and death passed down, uh, causing death. God said, you know, in the day that ye eat thereof, you'll die. Now, we know he didn't die physically that day, but it's a different type of death. It's called spiritual death. It's called being separated from God. And he was separated from God. They hid themselves, and they said, you know, who told you you were naked? You got all that. Amen. But the but the important thing is, is that death, the nature of death, passed down to all men, which event eventually, Even in Adam and Eve and all the rest of humanity, there came physical death. And see, sickness and disease is nothing more than the beginning stages of death. We could call it incipient death, but essentially that's what it is. In other words, if a disease or an illness or something is left to run its course, it'll kill you. So it's a curse. It's not a blessing. Does that make sense to you? All right. Now, thank God for medical science because you know we've been able to, you know, find drugs and different things of that nature that can help people to fight or stave off or whatever it is you know that they may be dealing with. And I'm thankful for that. But the reality is is that sickness came into this world as a result of Adam's disobedience, and death came by that. Now, let's back up into this chapter just a little bit, and let's let's think about and 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 listen to Paul's reasoning just a little bit, and let's back up up to uh, let's say verse uh, 6 chapter 5 Romans 5 and verse 6 for when we were without strength in other words another translation says when you and I were powerless to help ourselves I don't know about you but when I was a sinner I was a mess and I couldn't fix me how many of you were in the same boat huh there was just no way that I could fix myself. It wasn't until Jesus came and supernaturally changed my nature and made me a new creation in Christ. But this scripture here in verse 6 says, when we were without strength, powerless to uh, help ourselves in due time, or according to the time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, you know, a lot of times people will argue and, you know, they question everything. You know, why didn't Jesus come sooner? You know, here we have, you know, 4,000 years of human existence. And then, you know, and, and prior to his coming, 400 years, there was nothing. No prophet, nobody saying anything. There was just silence. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. And He he changed everything. But you ask yourself the question, well, why didn't God just do it sooner? I don't know. That's above our pay grade. But He has chosen, the Bible says at just the right time, at the time appointed, Jesus came into this earthborn existence. Now, I can tell you this much about it. We're about 2,000 years down the road. And you know, after two days, He said, I will rise again. Jesus is going to show up here soon. Are you with me? And here we are now, 6,000 years down the road, you know. and, And I don't pretend to get into all this numerology and all these different kinds of things. But, you know, six days is when God was doing all this work and He created the earth. And on the seventh day, He rested. The Bible says that we're going to be with him for a thousand years, a millennium of time, which must be that day of rest. I don't know. Okay. You say, well, I don't like your theology. Good. Then don't take it. Okay. All I'm saying is we're six days down the road, 6,000 years down the road. And I don't know, you know, again, if he was born in 30 AD or 31 or two or three, but I'm telling you what, dude, we are knocking on the door of his return again. Okay, And I bring all of that up to you is, is that, you know, again, we don't have any control over what God has foreordained, but He has planned. And, and mark my words, make no mistake. I'm telling you, on the very day, time, hour, moment, nanosecond, that God wants to do what He's going to do, He's going to do it. Hallelujah. So what is it that he told you and I to do? Watch, be prepared, do what I've told you to do until I come. Hallelujah. So we want to be busy, amen? Do you ever get caught on the job, not doing the job, hiding someplace, you know, flaking off, doing whatever, and then the boss comes in? No, don't raise your hand. We'll just leave that. You know, before I was saved, I worked for Sutherland Lumber Company. And I was a yard salesman. What that means is you're a grunt guy, and you go out and you help people load their stuff up. Well, a lot of times, a bunch of us, we go hide back in the, you know, two-by-sixes. I mean, I don't know where, you know, and, get, and just try to get out of work. Well, sooner or later, you know, you better show up because somebody, a supervisor, is going to wonder where in the world you're at. Well, you don't want to be that way. You don't want to be hiding back in the two-by-sixes when Jesus comes, okay? You want to be out there doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing, praise God, so that he can say, well done, your good and fa- or thou good and faithful servant. Are you with me? So anyway, this scripture here says at just the right time, listen, Christ died for the ungodly. It goes on then to explain, for scarcely will, uh, for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, hallelujah, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, there's wrath coming, you guys we don't talk about it but i'm telling you what the ungodly are about to receive the fierceness of our god and it is not going to be good and so the bible says here in verse 10 for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son much more than being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, now notice, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, we don't use atonement. I mean, that's kind of, you know, well, it's a King Jimmy word. But to be atoned for means to be reconciled back to God. Essentially, reconciliation and atonement are similar in their definition, okay? So he atoned for our sins. He took our place. He died for the ungodly. He paid the price that was necessary. He made amends. He he was offered as an uh, uh, a sacrifice because of us. So there was satisfaction or repar- reparation for the wrong or the injury that we had committed. So... Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus die for our sins? Absolutely. I mean, nobody—you won't get a lot of people, unless they're just flat-out ungodly unbelievers that don't even believe in Jesus, but if you ask any religious person, at least, did Jesus die for our sins? And people say, well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So the question is, is that when he atoned for our sin, did he also redeem us from sickness and disease? And the answer to the question is yes. So it's important for us to understand this, you know, and, and, and accept or, or in, engage ourselves in it. Look at this verse of Scripture with me. This will prove this to you. Turn over to uh, Isaiah chapter 53, okay? Isaiah the 53rd chapter. And again, we're just going through some Scriptures here, and, and uh, we'll try to look at uh, some of these quickly. And then, uh, as I said, if you need prayer, we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Notice here, um, let's just start with verse 4 for the sake of time. Surely, now, Again, if we, had, if we had time, you could go back into this, the beginning of this chapter, and you would know that Isaiah is actually speaking of the Lord Jesus, okay? He was despised, verse 3, and rejected a men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now notice verse 4, but surely he has borne, that's important, our grief And carried our sorrows. This is the King James translation of this. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now, notice, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. So this is obviously a very redemptive chapter and and very revealing about what it is that Jesus did. You'll notice in verse 4 it says that he bore our griefs and sorrows, but really the translation if you go in a lot of other places in the King James, it's sickness and pains. And why they translated it the way that they did here, I don't know. I don't know that it really matters, but the reality is is that he bore my sickness. He bore your sickness. He bore our pain and and took our infirmities. Can you say amen? And it's important for us to realize that Isaiah is seeing this and you ask yourself well how did he do that? He did it vicariously. He did it as our substitute. When he went to that cross the Bible says and by his bruise or stripes we are healed. You know <clears throat> It's kind of graphic, but the reality is is that, you know, uh, Jewish custom and law wouldn't allow someone to be beaten over 39 times, 40 save one. So when they flog somebody, they could only do it 39 times. But the Romans had no such law. And, and a lot of times people would actually end up dying before they even got crucified by just, you know, being beat. And the fact of the matter is when you you read the scriptures, there are places that reveal that that they beat him so bad that you couldn't even recognize that he was a man when they got done. And so that's why the scripture, and so it, it, it doesn't say, and by his bruises we are healed. It says by his bruise, he was one big bruise. And it's by those stripes that he was healed. So that gives you and I, the reason I bring that up is not for the sake of the graphic nature of it, but for you to realize He took your place. He died for you, yes, but He also was beaten and pummeled so that you wouldn't have to be uh, uh, sick or infirmed or diseased in any way, shape, or form. Are you with me? So you'll see here in this scripture. Now the, uh, we won't look there, but you can look at 1 Peter chapter two and twenty-four. The Bible says, um, hmm. Who, "What does it say? Who his own self?" Well, I guess we're going and looking. <laughs> two twenty-four. Notice it says, "Who his own self bear our sins." In his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins thank God should live unto righteousness now notice by whose stripes you were healed so my point to you sharing these scriptures is is that we all believe that he took our uh, sins when he died on the cross but not only that he took our sickness and our disease and we see these scriptures throughout, where he was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. So there's forgiveness and healing there. We just read it in 1 Peter 2.24. There's forgiveness and healing there. And then if you read um, in Psalm 103, the same thing says, uh, we, won't have to, we won't take time to do it, but turn to Mark chapter 2. And let's look at this scripture, and then we'll close. Hallelujah. I just want you to know that, praise God, He paid a price for you so that you could be healed. And you say, well, how do I I capture that? How do I appropriate that? We do it by faith in what it is we know to be true, and we walk in the light thereof. Amen. We declare what it is that He's provided. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I, you know somebody prayed for me and nothing happened. Well, if you're going to go by your feelings, or if you're going to go by, you know, some outward uh, kind of thing, then you're going to miss the point. And you have to realize that by faith you believe that you receive whatever it is that He has for you. And praise God, when we do, then the manifestation of what it is we're desiring comes. So notice this with me in, in uh, closing here. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Again, Jesus entered into Capernaum, and after some days it was noised abroad that he was in the house. So immediately many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room for them to receive him, not so much as about the house, and he preached the word to them. See, listen, you guys, let me say it one more time. If you're to be helped where your life is concerned, if you've got challenges, you've got something going on, dude, it's the word of God and the instruction that's found therein that's going to help you. Are you with me? You know, I mean, thank God for preachers. I mean, they can help to facilitate all of this. But I mean, at the end of the day, you got to find out what it is he said in this love letter that he wrote to you about your life, you know? He doesn't want you to go through life oppressed. He doesn't want you to go through life, you know, with, with, with your thinking and your view and everything jaded because of something, you know, that's happened within your past. It's to be regretted. Things do happen, you know, within our lives. But, you know, those things that happen to us in our lives, I mean, they happen to us, but they don't have to define who we are. And a lot of times that's what happens. We, we can't seem to forgive, or we can't seem to forget, or we can't seem to, you know, whatever it is. But the reality is, is that you can. And you can do it as an act of your will and by choice. Are you with me? We used to have a gal. Her name was Diane Peterson, and she and her husband Chuck were a part of our church for many, many years. And Chuck, had, he had uh, he'd been diagnosed with lupus, I mean, when he was a young man. He fought it his entire life. You know, he's a chiropractor down in Shenandoah, and, and uh, he fought this and fought this and fought this, and did quite well in things. You know, and believing God. Well, he ended up having to uh, his kidneys began to fail. And he ended up going on dialysis, and I watched that gal. And I tell you what, you talk about a man. I mean, you talk about a bulldog. I mean, she fought for her husband right next to him, believed God, helped him, you know, kept him going, all these different kinds of things and whatnot. Well, he passed, you know, and uh, thank God, you know, people say, well, see, he didn't get healed. You know, what's this whole thing about? I tell you what, I'd rather believe God for that by his stripes I'm healed and die than not believe anything and die. At least there's a testimony there. Can you say amen? So anyway, he passed away, went to heaven. You know and uh, you know whenever you lose a loved one it's hard it's difficult but she was sitting in a service she was sitting right up behind Jamie in a service and I can't remember what I was even preaching about but in that service we were talking about something preaching teaching doing whatever and all of a sudden the Spirit of God came on her and all the grief and all of the remorse and all the other everything it just lifted and went away but you know how that happened it's because she chose to position herself to receive what it is that God had for her. And she came up to me after the service. She said, Pastor, God just showed up in my, in my life. And she explained this whole story to me, you know. So I'm just saying that, you know, when we receive something from heaven, we don't go by the way we feel. We don't go by the way it looks. We go by what it is he said. And we believe that we receive what it is that he's provided for us. Can you say Amen. All right, so let's go on and let's read this and then we'll pray. Notice it says here that he preached the word to them. Verse three, and they come to him they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was a crippling paralysis, essentially. The person be just gradually became paralyzed. And there were four people that were carrying him. And when they could not come near to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, hallelujah, amen, amen, When he saw their faith, what did he see? I mean, who tears somebody's roof up in order to get somebody? I mean, you got to believe that if we can get this guy in front of him, he'll be healed. That's faith. Huh? They acted on what they believed. And he said when they saw, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, you're healed. No, he didn't say that at all. He said your sins are forgiven you. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up to you is, is again, we're going to see forgiveness and healing in the same place. No, he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, notice what goes on then again. It says... um, But in verse six, but when certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, they said, why does this man thus speak blasphemies who can forgive sin but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason these things within your heart? Let me ask you a question. Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power or authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way into your house. And immediately arose, took up the bed, went forth, all of them. (laughs) Hallelujah. Wouldn't you love to have been there? Woo! And it goes on in so much that they were all amazed, glorified God. And they said, man, we ain't never seen it like this. I tell you, Jesus is wonderful. Can you say amen? There's a lot of other things we could talk about here this evening, but for the sake of time, we're out of time. Um, let's everybody stand. Glory to God. Again, if you need healing you know, you can receive what it is that that Jesus has provided for you. And we're just going to do what the Bible says. The Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So if you have a need, you know, if you, uh, I mean if you want to keep going, you know, we're going to continue to study the subject, but you know, if you'd rather wait and let faith, you know, build in your heart then that's fine too. But if you want to be prayed for, we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. So let's just lift up our voices before the Lord here. Father, we thank you tonight. That Father God that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed we thank you that Jesus himself took our infirmity bear our sicknesses not only father God that he bear the sins of the world but he also took everything upon him so that by them we can be healed and so father God we just thank you tonight we lift up our voice to you in praise and adoration for your blessing in every one of our lives father and we believe that by the stripes of Jesus we were healed, and that you said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Hallelujah. So, if you're here tonight, you want to have hands laid on you, Joe and I would love to have the privilege of being able to pray with you and believe God with you. Just come on down if you're here this evening. If not, you know, that's fine too. Come on.